this morning, we're going to start the last chapter of the Bible together. So if you guys want to turn to Revelation chapter 22 together, we're going to purposely do worship at the end of service together. But we're going to be considering the time being near. And how many of you guys would agree with me? We're probably closer to the end than we ever have been. Well, of course we are. <laughs> We're always getting closer. But there are things that Jesus, God himself, told us to be looking for okay, that would be unique compared to all of history. And if you are honest with Matthew chapter 24 and what Jesus said there, we'd have to say, hey, these things that you said would take place, Jesus, they are happening in a very unique way, unlike any other time in history, and they're all happening right now. So, I don't know how many of you guys are sick of false news. Any of you guys fake news? Um, I don't watch the news. Okay, we have television in our house for the first time ever. Okay, Sonny and I, 20 years. Um, I'm sick. <laughs> I, I can't take it. It is like I understand why so many people are bent. Um, it's just not good. Um, and just everything that's going on this year... You know, there's a lot of sad news, okay? Um, just even this last week, I mean, there's just a lot of sadness, news coming our way that breaks our heart. Um, but I love the good news. I love the gospel. I love when we come to the scriptures and it is gospel-centered. And that's one thing that the Bible does is we wrap up all of it. It comes back to Jesus and the good news. So we're going to see here in chapter 22 this morning, John, the revelator, okay, as he's wrapping up this letter, uh, this revelation, he continues with this concept of that holy city, okay, uh, the new Jerusalem. That's the final chapter here. In most big cities, they have a main street, right? We sit here this morning on main avenue okay um so john describes to us really uh what heaven's main street is or avenue for you and i so i'd like to pray with you guys before we jump into this chapter this morning father we are thankful for this time you've given us to be in your word once again uh we want to ask of you father that you would increase our imagination and wonder today as we get into your word as we consider this vision of John's here, uh, our desire is to hear your voice. God, I don't want these guys to hear me. I want to be able to get out of the way and just allow you to speak to us through your word this morning. So would you please, Father, once again, give us ears to hear what your spirit would have to say to the church. We ask it in your name. Amen. How many of you guys have a lot of questions when it comes to the scriptures? I sure do. I've been able to teach over 3,000 sermons in my life, tens of thousands of hours in study, and I have more questions than when I began. I'll be honest with you guys. The more we study God's word, it's just like, whoa, you know, this is awesome. Who could exhaust this? I could live a thousand lifetimes and not get it all, guys. Um, so there are things, though, as we are diligent in studying his word that those question marks sometimes turn into exclamation points. And that's my prayer for us this morning as we conclude the book of Revelation, that there would be some of that happening for us during John's final vision here. Uh, so we see the New Jerusalem restored 
to Eden, okay, including the tree of life. We're going to look at the river there that flows from the garden and the intimate relationship that the people have with their God to enjoy him again. Do you guys know that Adam and Eve in the garden, they got to hang with God himself? That is so cool to think about. Actually walk with him. Literally walking with him to enjoy. I enjoy taking walks with my wife. The dog gets to come with, but I really enjoy when Sunny comes with. You know, I enjoy that intimate time with her. And I can't wait to be able to walk with God in such a way someday. I think that's going to be so cool. Well, are you going to have time to do that? There's going to be a lot of people in heaven. We have eternity, guys. We all can take a turn, okay? Whoops. <laughs> it's going to be good. Um, so Eden was a place where humans first, okay, were placed by Yahweh. And from there, they were later expelled, okay? And that's why Genesis is so foundational for you and I. Uh, guys, we get to start in January going through the book of Genesis together. I'm very excited about that. I got a stack of notes just for chapter one. I don't know how we'll get through chapter one, but it's foundational to what we believe as Christians, okay? And when we take Genesis seriously, guys, it makes sense, okay? We believe what God says, and if we take him at his word, we can take him at the whole of his word, all of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. That's how we can approach uh, the study of this book the way we have. God has spoken literally concerning prophecy. I believe that he's speaking literally here. These things, there's going to be a new Jerusalem. We are really going to be with him one day there. It's exciting to think about. So Genesis chapter 2 and 3, okay, described a place of beauty, okay, of abundance elsewhere, it's designated, okay, as the Lord's own garden. When we think of the Garden of Eden, it actually says that. I want you guys to look up on the screen with me here, okay? We see in Isaiah chapter 51, verse 3, the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden. In the desert, like the Garden of the Lord, joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving in the voice of of song so we see guys that in chapters two and three it probably meant to be understood primarily as god's dwelling place he was there okay um rather than simply a place that was made for human uh, habitation okay they had fellowship they were together there so let's start looking here in revelation 22 together and the first thing we read of is a river. Look here at verse 1. And he showed me a pure uh, river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So guys, in biblical times, um, water was really important. A lot of what we read about in the wars that were fought that we read about in Israel was over water, okay? Some of you guys got to go to Israel with me in February, and we got to see the sights. It's desert land there, and without water, man, it's just dead. But water brings life, and is so important. We see that uh, just in life, because without water, guys, what comes? Death of plants, of animals, of humans. We need water, 
So we have Moses, Ezekiel, um, Zechariah all spoke of that. I'm going to read a few scriptures to you guys real quick. Uh, it speaks of this river throughout the scriptures. This is not just a unique thing that we find here. In chapter 2, you can jot down verse 10 of Genesis if you're taking notes. It says, Now a river went out from Eden in, <clears throat> in the water of the garden, and from there it parted into four river heads. And then we find in Ezekiel chapter 47, which we're going to come back here later, but it starts off the chapter by saying, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east from the uh, front of the temple, which faced, faced east, and the water was flowing under the right side of the temple and south of the altar. And he brought me out by the north gate, and he led me around the outside of the outer gate that faces east, and there was water running out of the right side. So Ezekiel is actually prophesying about this, okay? And there from the temple, water, okay? It's going to come forth. And then we find in Zechariah chapter 14. Let me go there. Zach actually saw this too in chapter 14, I think it was. Yes, verse 8. And in that day there shall be living waters. They shall flow from Jerusalem and half of them towards the eastern sea, and half of them towards the western sea, in both summer and winter, this shall occur. And I think that is so cool to think about, that this river, living water, is going to be there. I want to draw your attention again uh, to the screen. In uh, John chapter 7, verse 36, Jesus speaking uh, here, he said, He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow what? Torrents or living water. Guys, rivers of living water. And I think that's so cool uh, to think about. The river, this living water Jesus was talking about is right here. Okay, this is what John is seeing. So let's take a look now at verse 2. Um, we see a tree now in the middle of, its, of the street on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So in Genesis 3, guys, verse 22 and 24, they had access to the tree, but that access was taken away from them. They could no longer go, okay? But here in Revelation at the end, it's regained, thus fulfilling earlier we read in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. It said, to him who overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And that's one thing I've really enjoyed. We started off Revelation considering the letters that Jesus wrote to the seven churches there in chapters 2 and 3. And it's been fun studying Revelation with you guys because the more we get into it, a lot of the things that Jesus had to say in those letters are being spoken to in making more sense. And it's so cool how it's just all being unlocked and things are coming together. Part of me wants to go back and reteach those letters because we've learned a lot as we've been going through the book of Revelation together. I want to look uh, at Ezekiel. Um, am I too far here? I am. We're not at the curse. Oh, I don't have that one. 
Just listen, okay? Ezekiel nailed it in chapter 47, verse 12, uh, concerning this prophecy. It says this, Along the bank of the river, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month, because their water flows from the sanctuary, and their fruit will be food, and their leaves for medicine. What insight that Ezekiel gives us there. And think about that. Fruit every month, okay? Maybe it's for each month of the year. I don't know, but I think that's kind of cool. Jericho is a great example, I think, for you and I as we consider uh, ancient oasis cities where travelers would stop and enjoy fresh springs, uh, trees, food to eat. Again, guys, the Middle East, a lot of desert dwellers there. And it talks about healing, okay, uh, that the tree is for healing. Well, what healing is needed? I thought this was the new Jerusalem. All things are new, no more pain, no more sorrow. Do you guys think we're still going to have emotions in eternity? Absolutely, guys. And I don't know about you guys, but there's healing that needs to take place with emotions. So I don't think this is necessarily Physically speaking, the word healing, if you go and look up the Greek, it's therapian, where we get the word therapy, which also means health or treatment or care. So it's always good to be in a, a place of good health, right? Um, and for those who eat it are going to have that. Opposite for those who don't eat of the tree. So a life-giving tree, it's kind of like the river that we just read about. So it symbolizes all that there's this wholesome goodness for us. Uh, and I'm thankful for that. Um, and don't we spend a lot of time trying to figure out, hey, how should my diet be? How should I eat? What kind of vitamins should I be taking, you know, to be good? Well, here it's going to be <laughs> given to us in the tree. So this somehow is going to enhance the quality of our, of our lives. That's what we know. Uh, not that they heal illness, but as <laughs> there's not going to be any there. Um, I want to look at the curse with you guys. Um, look at the first part of verse 3 here. Um, it says, and there shall be no more curse. So we've grown up watching curses being lifted, right? We've seen it happen. We saw the frog, okay, being kissed and turning into a prince, okay? Well, we have Snow White, okay, there waiting for her to wake up from her extended nap. Now, this Revelation 22, okay, it's not going to be quite Disney-esque as that, but I think it's going to be cool, if not cooler than that. It's going to be wonderful. You see, we see uh, from Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 to 19, we saw that there was a fall as a result of uh, their disobedience to the Lord, and a curse came. It came to the man, the woman, and the serpent, okay? So there we live in, you know, a cursed, a fallen world. Now, there's no more curse here. That's what's so cool about this. If you look at the second part of verse 3, it tells us, of their service, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve 
him. You guys know that we're called to be servants? Okay, Paul, an apostle okay, of Jesus Christ, he often would take himself as a servant or a bond servant, a doulos, okay? someone who is serving the Lord. That's why we are here. So to serve, it's really to render a religious service, but here it probably is referring to uh, that sacrifice or the service of worship to God because you guys know that's going to be a big part of what we get to do <laughs> here in all time. And I don't know about you guys, but I enjoy worship. Okay, that's some of the sweetest times in my life. It's just in times of worship to the Lord. So we're going to be offering worship as priests. You guys can take a look with me here at Ezekiel chapter uh, 28, verse 40 and 41. It says, for Aaron's son, and you guys know that Aaron was a priest. His son served as priests. Uh, you shall make coats and sashes and caps, and you shall make them for glory and beauty. And you shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with him. And you shall anoint them. So oil was for dedicating and ordain them literally to fill full and to consecrate them. So they were to be set apart, okay, that they may serve me as priests another scripture i like you can take a look at leviticus 8 here with me in verse 23 um, this is aaron's ordination service okay it says moses took some of the blood and that was from a ram and put it on the lobe of aaron's right ear and on the thumb of his right hand and on his big uh, toe of his right foot so we see the blood applied to the right ear, to the hand, to the foot. So these were to be set apart for the Lord. Do you guys get that? Okay, the blood needs to be applied. Do you hear the voice of God? Has the blood been applied? Are your hands for the service of the Lord? Are your feet, okay, are you walking in the ways of of the Lord. And the only way we can properly do that is when the blood is applied, guys. So let's take a personal assessment of that this morning. How are you doing with all three of these? How are you doing personally? Are you listening to the Lord? And I'm saying really listening to the Lord. Do you have those times where you're still in your prayer closet that you're able to actually hear what He is saying, what He is asking, what He is declaring are you not were you but are you involved with the work of the lord are your hands given to ministry to service to worship to what he is asking you to do okay and what does that work exactly well of course i serve the lord great <laughs> what is it can you actually take out a sheet of paper and make a list. This is how I am practically serving the Lord with my hands. And then, how is your walk with Jesus? Are you pleasing him today? And how you're walking with him? And don't we want to walk that pleases him, that honors him? Isn't that why we're called as believers to walk different, <laughs> circumspectly, in ways that honor him, that are loving, that are in truth and light? Absolutely. So, we also, guys, are told here in Revelation 22, in verse 4, that they shall see his face. I want you guys to think about that for a second. 
don't you light up when you haven't seen somebody for a while and there they are and you finally see their face like yeah it's you you know we get pretty excited we get pretty you know stoked to see them but how much more that we actually get to see the face of god you guys see previously we're told in scripture that no one saw god right in Exodus 33, verse 20, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. Okay? People died if they were uh, in uh, a place to see God in that manner. So now in Revelation 22, at the end, what do we see? It's described as a life giving blessing to see him. Before, you can't. You see me, you'll surely die. Now you get to see me, and you'll be blessed when you do and let me tell you what i'm so glad to be part of god's people one of his kids that i actually get to see my creator face to face someday i look forward to this so if we go back to genesis 3 verse 23 we have man being banished here once again now we have access to him so we also read in the second part of verse 4 here uh, the forehead and on his name shall be uh, or his name shall be on their foreheads think about that for a second you know the name of God upon our foreheads uh, may allude to the plate which the priests would wear upon their forehead Exodus chapter 28 verse 36 you guys remember what it say holiness to the Lord Think about that. What if we all had some plates upon our head? Holiness to the Lord. How would our interactions look? Would they be a little different? Okay. Are you going to want to talk to me and say, hey, pastor, I have a complaint. Do you know so-and-so and start gossiping? No, I'm not going to gossip if you're wearing a plate on your head that says holiness to the Lord because that's not a holy thing to do. Okay. I'm not going to slander that person. Holiness to the Lord. How can I slander? That's not pleasing to the Lord. So I think that's kind of cool, okay? Holiness to the Lord. So <clears throat> if you wore that, would it actually change the way you went about your day and how you spoke and what you thought throughout the day? I, I think so. We have the Holy Spirit now, which I'm very thankful for, you know, because there's times I should just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> but there's times I start saying things like, oh, that's not pleasing. That wasn't right. That was very prideful, very self-righteous. I don't like my heart, you know. But I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit is there to reveal those things. Because if he wasn't there to keep me in check, man, it would be ugly, you know. You just keep rolling and just, I, I would ruin people. I'd hurt people. And God's asked us to do what? No, you love people. That's what I want you to do. You love me. You love others. And without his help, man, I know I couldn't do it without his help. Um, let's take a look at verse 5 together. It says here, There shall be no light there, no need of a lamp, nor light of the sun, for the Lord gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. I think this is cool, because here we move from being in the dark to now being in an eternal light. Think about that. Eternal light all the time because things in life get dark at times man i'm in a dark season right uh this is overwhelming i don't see the light at the end of the tunnel okay but we have a hope 
You know, maybe it's there. Maybe it will come. Maybe things will get back to normal. Okay? But here, the reality in the New Jerusalem, there will be this eternal light. And here, John is repeating himself, isn't he? Because didn't we just consider this in the last chapter? Why is he repeating himself again? I think maybe John's getting repetitive because he's having a hard time believing what he's seeing. I can't believe this. The Lamb is the light continually. There's no darkness here at all. Okay? So also probably why they keep emphasizing that these things are true, which we see in verse 6. Now, let's move on to verse uh, 6 and on. It says, Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of our holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and I heard these things. And when I heard and I saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And the verse 9 said, he said to me, see that you do not do that, for I am a fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the word of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal the words of this prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. So this is a typical, you know, know, uh, apocalyptic literature that John, he keeps coming back to the imminent return of Jesus, okay? And the events that are described in this book, and he's calling us to persevere. That's the call for you and I, brother and sister. Christians need not to compromise, okay, uh, in our faith, okay, in our trusting of Jesus, in uh, fear of retaliation, okay? We're not to live that way. The only thing we're called to is to, to endure <laughs> and to overcome. That's what God asks us to do. So we want to finish the race, okay? We want to keep the faith, fight that good fight. That's what we need to do. Great, you're seeking the Lord, you're serving the Lord. Are you going to be seeking the Lord? Are you going to be serving the Lord when he comes to get you or you go home to be with him? Don't we want to finish well? That's what I want to see for our church family, guys. I want us to be a body that encourages one another to keep running, keep going. Don't let the enemy get the best of you. We get sidetracked. We keep our eyes on him. We finish well. So let's take a look at verse 7 here. It says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Uh, T-A-X-U, taxu. Uh, it's where we get the word tachometer. For you guys who are gearheads, that's a machine that can tell you how the speed of an engine. Okay, um, So it's speed here. It's not the length of time. In other words, when we read of the Revelation, as we just finished up studying all that's going to take place during the Great Tribulation, that's all just seven years, guys. It's going to happen. All this stuff is going to happen very quickly. If we think of seven years, that's just a drop in light of history, isn't it? Okay. So when Jesus is talking here, these things are going to come quickly. 
some people have a hard time. Why do you study the book of Revelation? What's the point? People have been thinking Jesus is coming, you know, since the beginning of time. Yeah, we're to live in that expectation. But when we're talking about Revelation, these things are yet future. But when they happen, it's all going to go down really fast. Okay. I don't know about you guys. We've been studying this. It's just like, wow, here's, you know, more things happening, you know, trumpets and bowls and all these judgments. It's like, boom, 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 boom. This stuff is going to happen fast. Okay. Um, So when Jesus says, behold, I'm coming quickly, I like to look at it in light of that. Um, Now, the worship that we see in verses eight and nine here, it's just a simple call to worship God. I don't know what to do. Worship God. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do when I grow up. Worship God. (laughs) Pretty simple. That's what we do. That's what we've been created to do. So even this beloved apostle, okay, is prone to mistakes here, okay? He's bowing down when he shouldn't be bowing down. You worship God. That's what we do, okay? People might come and try to force you to bow down to this or that. Don't do it, saint. We bow knee to one. (laughs) And that's Jesus Christ. That is it. Okay? And that's why I love so many examples that we have in the scriptures of men and women who stood for their God. I'm going to do this thing, this act. It is worship to my God. Okay? Worship's not just when we're singing songs, guys. It's how we live. Okay? It's what we do. Are we doing all that we do in an act of worship to the Lord? So we've seen in verse 3, you serve God. Verse 4, see God. And then verse 9 here, you worship God. Well, wait, Pastor. (laughs) Isn't heaven going to be boring? I heard it's not going to be much fun there. Isaac Asimov. You guys know him? Wonderful. One person. Um, And I'm okay that you guys don't know him. Uh, He's an atheist, humanist, realist. Uh, He's written, he's edited over 500 books. Um, He's a fool because the Bible says so. Uh, Only a fool says in his heart there is no God. But he said this, and it just really rubbed me the wrong way. I don't believe in an afterlife, so I don't have to spend my whole life fearing hell or fearing heaven even more for whatever the tortures of hell i think the boredom of heaven would be much worse what but you know what i know christians that think that same way heaven's gonna be boring man and if we are honest i think there are times where we think that same way because we've bought into a lie heaven's not gonna be boring guys Um, we're not going to just be sitting on some little fluffy cloud playing a little harp up there for eternity. Okay, that would be boring, but I don't think that's going to be what it is. Okay, I think of, you know, going to the golf course, you know, hitting a hole in one and every time that would get boring, right? Well, of course, I'm going to make the shot every single time. How boring. Um, But that kind of thinking, I think, is wrong. And we've succumbed to the slander of heaven. I want to share with you guys um, back in chapter 13 of Revelation, verse 6. It says, then he opened his mouth, blasphemy against God. 
and blasphemy against his name, his tabernacle, where he dwells, in those who dwell in heaven. And I think that's all it is, guys, when we say that heaven's going to be boring. I think that's blasphemy. We don't get it. We're told in uh, Psalm 1611, in your presence, so in the presence of God, is fullness of joy. We look forward to things. We want to have joy in this life, but we're told there's a fullness of joy that comes by being in the presence of God and at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. So this is what God has promised for you and I, guys. It's going to be good. We get caught up in the little things. Aren't you guys looking forward to something right now? It's been a long year, okay? I had been quarantined for almost a month. Man, just can't wait for this to be done. This stinks. Being sick, this stinks. But in it, you know, we saw God bless us big time. Okay, we enjoyed him in new ways. What, we had joy during having COVID? Is that possible? In the Lord, there is fullness of joy. Even though I was sick, I can't wait to actually enjoy him in a full way without any pain and suffering. Like I look forward to this, and it's going to be so much better. But a lot of us are looking forward. I just can't wait to finally be able to go do that or things finally to get back to normal. Okay. Oh, well, what if they don't? What misplaced hopes do we have? Let me tell you what. I look forward to heaven. You know, having a mom pass away, And to actually have peace and joy knowing that she really is in a better place. Man, that's real. And that's not wishful thinking. That is a sure hope. And we get to rejoice in that, guys. You see, there's going to be no boredom. It's going to be fresh. It's going to be new. It is going to be clean. It's going to be pure. It's going to be wonderful. Okay, so are we a little bit arrogant to think that we're the ones as human beings who came up with the idea of having fun? Nuh uh. That's a God thing. Okay, I think we're going to have more fun than what we ever imagined. I really do believe the disciples, when they hung with Jesus, they had a lot of fun. I mean, they saw some crazy stuff and they did some pretty cool ministry with Jesus, but I think they just had a lot of fun sitting around the dinner table together or the fires at night. Um, Maybe the reason you thought that heaven's going to be so boring, it's because your Christian life is boring. And whose fault is that? Christianity is not boring, guys. Christianity is exciting. Not always easy, but it's, it's not God's fault. If your Christian life is boring, it is not God's fault. I can look back and say some of the neatest things, the coolest experiences I've had in this life were things where God asked me to step out in faith. But God, this doesn't make sense. How is that going to work? I can't do that. Son, I want you to follow me. I want you to walk by faith right now, right not by sight. And stepping out in faith in those things have been some of the coolest experiences I've ever had in my life. And I've had friends that don't know Jesus looking in saying, hey, why do you get to have all this fun? Why do you get to do that? That's awesome. Yeah, follow Jesus. It is fun. 
man, it's a ride, an exciting one. Get on board, okay? So, um, if we consider verse 2, guys, God's call here um, is to follow him, right? Well, follow him where? It's into an adventure. That's where he wants us to follow him, okay? I always encourage young people. I did youth ministry for a lot of years. I always encourage my younger brothers and sisters, go to Bible college. (laughs) But I want to do this, and I want to have a career. Great, you can do that. But just take a season in life and go sit at the feet of Jesus and see what happens. Just sit at his feet. Get to know him. Get that foundation. Because, yeah, God's going to call us to things. There is work for us to do. (laughs) And whatever he has our hands to do, guys, wherever you work, wherever you live, whatever you do, okay, God has you there for a purpose. And it's to honor him. It's to glorify him. Okay, it's to be about serving him in it. But let me tell you what, guys, we need to have that come from a place where we have a good foundation. And we know why we're doing what we're doing and why we're called to do what we're called to do. And I think a lot of people in this life never take a time out. I'm just going to sit at your feet, Jesus. I'm just going to sit. One thing's needed. I'm going to sit at your feet. Because there's a lot to do. I could be being a Martha right now. I could be doing a lot of things right now. But I think it's good. And it's not just at a Bible college at one season in life. I think we need continual times where, hey, time out. (laughs) I need a break right now. I just need to sit at your feet, Jesus. Because in that time, when we're finally still enough, I think we're going to hear him. and He might be asking us, all right, (laughs) that season's done. I'm asking you to step out and do something different. Or I'm asking you to step out to do something more. But we need to be in that place where we're actually hearing him speaking to us in such a way. But don't you know what's going on, Pastor? There's a lot of things going on right now. A lot of things being said. A lot of voices out there. Great. (laughs) Elijah, the small, still voice. Guys, we need to be in tune with the Lord. What is he asking us to do? That's one thing I love about his word here, guys. Because as we follow him, I believe there's an adventure. And it's going to bring us to life's edge. It may be risky, It may be a step of faith. It may be going against the flow. Well, everyone else is doing this. All the Christians I know are doing this. Well, great, son, I want you to do this. (laughs) It might not be the popular thing to do, but it's going to be exciting because you're doing it with the Lord. So what is he asking? So think about it with me for a second. If God, who is infinitely creative, Okay, goodness, beauty, power. (laughs) How is heaven going to be boring? (laughs) It's going to be awesome to be there with him. He is exciting and heaven is exhilarating. So to be in his presence really is the opposite of boredom. Pastor, why are you prolonging this thought? Because I don't want you guys to buy into the idea that heaven is ever going to be boring. It's not going to be. God is there. It's going to be wonderful, beautiful. So it's not God who's boring. It's us. That's the truth. 
So the real question should probably be, how could God not be bored with us, right? So what about creativity in heaven? Think about it, okay? Adam, man, he had the task of naming all the animals. That would be pretty awesome. And he was up for the task. Let me tell you what, I only have three little animals, and my wife and I, we had a hard time coming up with just three names, you know? Adam had this awesome, and I think God's going to have things for us to do in heaven, okay? I think there's going to be assignments. So God always has been delighted in our creativity. We've been created in his image, right? Think about this. We've been created to create. That's the uniqueness of mankind, okay? I love my children when they're creative, okay? I love it. This morning, my daughter wakes up, and she wrote a song, okay? And she came down and sang this song to us. It was really cool because my wife was praying some specific things for Shalom that I don't think we've talked to her recently about, but her song came around the prayer exactly. It's like the Holy Spirit just dumped this song into her heart, and she's declaring praise to the Lord and just being who she is, being free, just be who she is, in the Lord. And do you guys know that's what God wants for us? Some of us are looking at somebody and saying, hey, I should be like that Christian. They have it together. They're doing that, and I should be doing the same thing. No, you do what God's asked you to do. And we are free to be who we are. Man, that's when we get to start enjoying life and enjoying what God has set before us. So stop trying to be something you're not. Just be who you are and be okay with that. You know, I struggle. I feel like I should be better than I am. That's a struggle I have. And God keeps working on my heart and he's very patient. You guys know sanctification is a process. We can't all just get saved and immediately arrive. (laughs) We're all growing, okay? And we need to be okay with that wherever God has us. Because let me tell you what, without him, we wouldn't even be close to the place we are right now, okay? So we should be in a place of very thankful hearts to our Heavenly Father that he is good, that he is patient, that he hasn't given up on us. I love having a champion (laughs) for me in my corner all the time. That's Jesus, guys. He's got us. He's there. So will there be better Beethoven's? Better Raphael's, better Rembrandt's, better shooting stars in heaven. I think it's all going to be better, guys. I really believe that. Researchers show us that we only use 10% of our brains right now. Do you guys know the Bible says when we see him, we will be as he is? Okay? We're going to be perfected. We're going to be able to use 100% of this brain. And how much more creativity... How much more beauty can we create? Think about that. It's going to be awesome. I think about dancing, music, the gift people have, the talent of storytelling, the entertainment, the drama, the books that have been written. Do you think all that stuff's just going to stop when we get to heaven? I don't know for sure. The Bible doesn't say they are going to stop. I don't know why they wouldn't continue. And that kind of gets me excited, guys. Heaven's going to be cool. It's going to be fun. 
So maybe it will continue. Have you guys ever sat stunned at something you heard, some music that was just played, and you're just in awe? Just like, wow, that is cool. I think we're going to have a lot of that in heaven. That is cool. So the expression of singing and making music, the scriptures tell us to make a new song to the Lord, right? Sing to the Lord a new song. I think we're going to have that all the time because we're going to be near the heart of God. I think of traveling a lot of the world. I've gotten to meet people which we couldn't have any conversation because neither of us knew each other's language, but we were in settings where we worshiped together and we prayed together, and it was some of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced in my life, okay? And I just think about the reality of heaven, okay, all these beautiful languages together, and we get to experience all that in the fullness of it. I imagine heaven being full and rich. There's going to be varied harmonies uh, and harmonics. I believe heaven, you know, God is really going to unleash our creativity. Okay, it's not going to be confined. I don't know if you guys struggle with that. I feel like there's so much to be poured out, but I just don't know how to get it out there or how to do it. And I think God, we're not going to have those restrictions in heaven. You guys have heard this before. If you're not allowed to laugh in heaven, I don't want to go there. Mark Twain, right? Check it. It wasn't Mark Twain. It was Martin Luther who said that. Check this out. In Luke chapter 6, verse 21 and 23, Bless are those who weep now, for you shall laugh and rejoice in the day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. We have a lot to look forward to, brother and sister. So, we have verse 10 now. We're going to wrap this up. It tells us in verse 10, uh, do not seal, okay, uh, the words of this prophecy, okay, for the time is at hand. So when God tells them to not seal, okay, Revelation's word here, um, it's not intended for a future undisclosed audience. Revelation is for today. It's for today. Okay. I had a pastor, I asked him one time, can we study the book of Revelation? He said, that book's not for us today. I'm just like, bummer. And let me tell you what, guys, this book is for all people at all times. I think about this last year, we weren't planning on going through the entire book of Revelation together, but 2020 is before us. And let me tell you what, God has spoken profoundly in big ways as we've studied through this book this last year. I don't think of a better book that we could have been in in light of all the stuff we've been going through this last year. It brings, it brings perspective. And it's perspective we need as believers. There are blessings that really come from studying this prophecy. So when it says, do not seal here, okay, it should not be closed up. Well, it's hard to understand. It's really not hard to understand. I think it's one of the simplest books in the Bible to understand because it's very straightforward. This is what's going to happen, okay? So there are written, uh, these things are written to comfort us as believers and encourage God's people, okay? In John's day, throughout history, and even today, guys. 
So, the character we see here, uh, spoken of in the last verse, it says, He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. So no, not encouraging anybody to stay, you know, this way. But there's this empathetic, um, or sorry, emphatic warning that's given here that the time of the end is near. Do you guys get what he's saying here? It's near. There's no opportunity for change, okay? Too late. The time is here. I think of Daniel, okay? I recently taught through this. You guys can catch those teachings online. Um, In Daniel chapter 12, when he was done with his prophecies, it tells us in verse 9 and 10, he replied, Go your way, Daniel, because the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. And many will be purified, made spotless, and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. And I think there is a place for us to understand prophecy. God wants us to get it, guys. And if we are wise, we will see. We'll be able to discern the times. Okay. Um, I think because time is short and because people do not change quickly, people need to repent now, right now. And I don't know what it's going to take, brother and sister. I see a crazy year that's been set before us. I see a great country in which we live that is at war within itself and we're falling apart. I see a global pandemic that we are all facing. And why are people dropping to their knees and turning to God in this time? I ask, like, what is it going to take? How much more do we need for people to actually break and cry out to God for help? Oh, there are people getting saved, which I rejoice in. There are many revivals popping up. But to be honest with you, I would love if every seat was filled here this morning, that the people of the valley were broken in a place of, hey, I need, I need God. I need to know what he has to say, that people were coming to hear and hear the truth of the gospel and get saved. And I often wonder, what is it going to take? Because now we're told in Scripture, today is the day of salvation. And that's what life is all about, guys. Okay, We get caught up in a lot of things. And there is a battle going on, and it's over the souls of men. That's what matters. This life is short. We're told it's but a vapor. Okay? And what we do with Jesus, (laughs) if we cry out to him, for forgiveness, for salvation. He's going to hear us and he's going to save us. But a lot of people don't care. They don't care. They have misplaced hopes. Our doctors, our scientists, they'll figure it out. They'll get a vaccine together, then we'll be okay. If we get the right people into government, then we're okay. That's wishful thinking, guys. There's only one sure hope. And I encourage you guys to stand upon the rock. That's where we stand. That's where we find sure hope. A hope that we can share with this world. You see, guys, otherwise, looking at the scripture here, what's left? 
We have people who are fixed in their sins, in their sins, and their destiny is sure. That's truth. And how are they going to hear without a preacher? That's why we're called to go make disciples. Go make disciples. People need to hear. They need to hear the glories of Revelation chapter 22. This is what's set before those who believe on Jesus Christ. We have hope. We have heaven, which is exhilarating, set before us. Did you guys catch here? And for the righteous, I think practicing righteousness really is by preserving and remaining faithful in the face of persecution. The world doesn't like us, guys. I had a great conversation with my middle guy, Finn, on Friday. Dad, are there more parties than the Republicans and Democrats? I'm like, yeah. But those are the only two parties that have people that really vote for them. (laughs) So we had a good conversation on how that looks and plays out. He's like, Dad, why isn't there a Christian party? And I had to be honest. It's because people hate Jesus. Christian party would be great because God's ways are higher than ours. He's much wiser than us. If we would humbly follow Jesus, man, things would look pretty cool. But the world hates Jesus, guys. You see, we are going to be persecuted. And some of us have been persecuted. Some of us fear persecution coming. I don't know what the future holds. But I know it's a part of a promise that is given to us who choose to live godly. You shall suffer persecution. Last year, God put it on my heart for our fellowship. We need to speak to this. And we did many studies and looked at many scriptures as a church family what it looks like to be persecuted as a believer. And let me tell you what, guys. It has come in new ways this last year. Okay, The church is facing some things we haven't faced in America, <laughs> and at least in recent history. And a lot of us are tripping. A lot of people have walked away. I don't even want to deal with it. I'm just done with church now. Guys, we need to be ready. We're living in crazy times. If we do believe we're living in the last days, God tells us a lot of what we're going to see happening around us. And it's not going to be good, and it's not going to be easy for us as the children of God. But does that change who Jesus is? No. Does that change the gospel? Absolutely not. Does that change our commission as believers? Absolutely not. Okay? No matter what is thrown our way, it should not change us and what we're called to. So, it tells us here, let him be holy still. I think this is speaking to a complete dedication to God. Dedicated to him, period. That's it. That is what God's calling us to. You're not the same anymore. You're a Christian. You are part of the church who is called to be set apart for him, period. So it's belonging exclusively to him. That's why we're here, guys. We're not our own anymore. We've been bought with a great price. 
The life we live now, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave his life for us. We're here for him. And let me tell you what, guys. I believe what the scriptures say when it says this life's a vapor. I'm 43. I'm probably halfway through if Jesus doesn't come back. And it's gone really fast. And you guys who are a little older, you're like, yeah, it just gets faster, right? (laughs) It's flying by. Don't waste your life. Time is short. People need Jesus. And we get to enjoy Jesus. Because these heaven realities that we've been talking about, guys, yeah, this is yet future. But we get to enjoy him now, today, brothers and sisters. You guys get that? Yeah, it's going to be really cool and really good. (laughs) But there are aspects of that that we get to enjoy now. There are realities of that that are real for you and I today.